Um, this is the Sunday before Memorial Day. Three-day weekend that some people celebrate. Um, I want to say to those of you who have a loved one who has given their life in service to our country, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. You know, Adrian's got a son that's in the military now. Whole new set of worries, isn't there, brother? We just saw Ethan back, I mean, um, uh, Brent back last week. Ethan and Brent are so close, it's like getting them mixed up. Saw Brent back last week in the military. When they do those kinds of, when, when a man or a woman does that and they enlist in the military, they leave behind a whole group of people. And they entrust that someone is going to be there to take care of them. And when they go into the military, they trust that those who are going to be next to them are going to take care of them and do what they're supposed to do. There's that bond that, that is created in that moment. Brother Willie, they, they last for lifetimes in, in some cases, don't they? Brother, Will, Brother Willie, U.S. Marine. Those things that, that take place during those times of having to put your faith in someone else, whether it's your person that's, that you're stationed with in the military or whether it's um, your friends that you've left your family with when you've gone off to serve, or if it's the body of Christ that you're walking with in the mission that God's given you now. The question of trust is a big question. This is a very unique message this morning, and I just want to tell you that it grows out of a lingering question that God keeps asking me. And it's this question. Can I trust you? Probably, um, well, probably more than 25 years ago, because I don't think Deanna and I were together yet at that point, I was uh, in a choir. I know that surprises you. In church. <laughs> Tells you how desperate they were. <laughs> And um, in that choir, we had a, an Easter special or Easter cantata we were doing. And there was a song in that choir special that spoke to my heart so deeply. So, Miss Donna, where are you, Donna Clayson? Oh, Miss Donna and, and Miss Carolyn, y'all help me because if, if this rings a bell with one of you, I want that song. <laughs> I have looked all over the internet, I've looked everywhere for the title, um, or with the title, trying to find the music, because I was going to sing it this morning, but you're out of luck, or you're lucky one. Um, but the words of that song said, can I trust you? If I go away, will I find you? Have learned what I said. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? And do you understand that my lambs need your care every day? Every day. And do you know, my child, all the while, if you trust and obey, I'll be your hope. I'll be your joy. I'll be your strength. But can I trust you? Can I trust you?
you all know that I have five children. As they're getting older and they're beginning to have to make decisions on their own. As dad, I'm trying to learn not only how to trust them, but how to trust God. Because part of me knows that it's my job. It's my responsibility to take care of them. And so I ask, not only can I trust them, but can I trust God? With something that is so important to me, something that that really means something to me, can, can I trust you? Now that sounds like a rather stupid question of God, right? I mean, y'all thought I was smarter than that. He holds the universe in the span of his hand, right? The, The Bible says that not even a bird falls from the sky. He doesn't know it. He knows the number of hairs on my head. That's considerably more difficult than Corey's head. He shaved it bald today, in case you can't see him. It's, it's a deep, deep, deep question. And it has resonated. My wife has heard me sing that song so much this week, it's probably driving her nuts. I started it yesterday. She joined in. It's resonating in me. Not just can I trust God, but can God trust me? Because really, that's the real question that we all have to answer. God is faithful. You know, there's never been a morning that the sun hasn't come up. There's never been a time where God wasn't working in creation. Since he created, God has been faithful. The Bible tells us that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Malachi, it tells us, I am the Lord and I do not change. The the question isn't, can I trust God? The real question that God wants to know is, can he trust me? Can he trust me? And in the song, Jesus is talking specifically to his disciples. And the idea is that Jesus is about to go away. He's going to to be with his Father in glory. He's going to go to the cross, and he's going to die on the cross. And three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. And then for 40 days, he's going to be upon the earth. And then, miraculously and without explanation... With no other uh, way for us to put this, Jesus left town. He ascended into heaven. And for 2,000 years at least, he's been gone, and he still hasn't come back yet. And that which Jesus gave himself for, the salvation of all, who would call upon the name of the Lord. The, the life transformation that comes when you come to a place in your life where you're willing to say to him, Lord, I let you have control. The, the, the eternal reality that millions and millions and millions and millions of people are going to come before him, every man, woman, 
boy and girl. Stand before the creator of all creation. And the only hope any one of us have in that moment when we stand before him is that we have given our lives to Christ. And those who, for whatever reason, pride, fear, prejudice, their, their own unwillingness to, to humble themselves and to surrender to God, their love for the pleasures of this life, whatever the reason, for all of those who, for whatever reason they come up with, the, the hypocrisy in the church, whatever reason... That, that someone may try and give God for why they chose to reject him will ultimately not matter in that moment. Jesus gave his life for that. Jesus not only endured the, the pain and the humility of the cross and the beatings and the trial and everything. He not only did that. The Bible says he became sin for us. He took upon himself the sin of all of mankind for us. He did everything he could possibly do. And after having done all of that, he said to this group of men and women that were following him, he said to these people, I'm leaving it in your hands. The fate of literally billions of lives for eternity. I'm placing it in your hands. Go tell them what I've done. Go, go tell them about the cross. Go tell them about the humiliation. Go tell them about how for thousands of years men have prophesied that I would come. How God promised that he would send deliverance. How the, the path of this life and the destruction that the decisions that we make here bring to our lives. How all of that can be forgiven and you can be redeemed and all of eternity can be secure. You go tell them to, to look at me, to trust in me, to place their faith in me. You tell them that that there is no other way given, that there's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved than through Jesus Christ. You tell them that. They need to know. Can I trust you? Can, can I trust you? If you don't tell them, I went to the cross for them. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Turn your copy of God's Word to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. 
My text this morning goes all the way through chapter 25, verse 33. I'm assuming you don't want to have to stand for all that. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, would you stand in honor of God's word? I'm going to read one verse this morning, and then we'll go back through several others later. Would you stand? Matthew 24, beginning in verse, or we're going to read verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Let's pray. God, as you're preaching to me this morning, help me to faithfully share the burden you've placed on my heart. God, I feel the emotions that are pounding within my own heart right now. So God, I ask for composure that I can communicate that which you desire. And Lord, I pray that you pound us this morning with the question of can I trust you? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Can I trust you? Every parent who has a child knows that thought when they go off to the first sleepover. Right? Can I trust you? Now, in our minds, we're thinking, can I trust you not to tear up their house like you do mine, right? Can I trust you not to go tell them everything that happens in our house? I have a church member in my first church who was a teacher, and she used to tell us that she would tell her parents of her students, I make a deal with you. If you don't believe everything they tell you about me, I won't believe everything they tell me about you. Can I trust you to go to your friend's house? Can can I trust you to go ride your bike and not go where you're not supposed to go? Can I trust you to go to the store with the money that I gave you to actually buy the things that I sent you there for? Can I trust you to do your chores that I give you? Can I trust you when I give you a phone to use it appropriately. Are, are parents, you ready? can I trust you when I give you a keys to the car? Can I trust you when you go off to college? Can I trust you on your first date? Can I trust him on your first date? Can I trust you? You see, the idea of of having something that really matters to you makes it a different world, doesn't it? And Jesus has left in our charge 
The message that all of mankind needs to hear. The, the hope of all of mankind. I don't care what the foundation that you've come from. I, I don't care what your, your theological background is. I don't care what your religious background is. I don't care what your emotional or mental or physical or spiritual or, or any other aspect. It doesn't really matter. The message that everyone needs to hear has been entrusted to you and I. And Jesus asks this simple question in verse 42, or, or makes a simple statement. Be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Now, if you've got your little listening guide in your bulletin this morning, I know it's been a couple of weeks, kids and teenagers, I want to remind you about that. Your first blanks there are the, is this. Jesus' return is imminent and unpredictable. As you read through the verses that I'm referencing this morning, and I'm going to challenge you to go home and read them all because I don't want to take 15 minutes to read this passage. But as we, as we read through this whole passage this morning and this afternoon, I want to encourage you to realize that there is coming a time when Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, I told you that after his cross, after his resurrection, 40 days of walking on the earth, the Bible says he ascended into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, we're told that. And in Acts chapter 1, as the disciples are all standing around, and Taylor, I would, you know, Lynn, you were talking about how you'd like to be there to see the big boulder blow up that fell down on the, on the road in Colorado. I would love to have been a fly on the wall and watch the faces of all of the disciples when all of a sudden Jesus starts moving on up. You ever watched a, a balloon that you let go? Do you know how dumb we look when we do that? We're all like. We know it's going to keep going up, right? We want, and our goal is always to see how long we can still see it, right? We're like squinting. Picture all of the followers of Christ. Did. Did, did you see that? And the Bible says God sends a messenger and says, this same Jesus will so come again. He's coming back. And in the passages that we're going to talk about this morning, Jesus says very clearly that he's coming back. In fact, he gives three parables in the, in the course of all these verses that I'm referencing this morning. He gives three parables talking about the exact issue that he is coming back. But not only that he's coming back, he wants to know when he comes back, can he trust us? Can he trust us to do what it was that he wanted us to do? Now, I've talked to a lot of people that have had questions about this whole idea of the rapture. And without going into the deep theological implications of all of the different positions people can take, there are some people who believe that a tribulation is going to happen 
according to Scripture, and that the rapture will take place just prior to that tribulation, and all of the church will be brought to heaven at that point. There are other people that believe that right in the middle of that time of tribulation, that all of God's people will be brought to heaven. And other people believe at the end of the tribulation, all of God's people will be brought to heaven. And other people believe that none of that's going to happen, and that at the end, it's just going to be the end, and God's going to handle it. Well, I want to tell you, regardless of where you fall, in whichever camp you fall in, the Scripture is very clear. Jesus is coming back for His own. And when He comes back for His own... Just like when mom and dad come home, there's going to be a reckoning. Now, when my mom and dad would leave, I always wanted to know about when they were going to be back. Right? When I was 17, they went to Niagara Falls. Yes! I had the house to myself for a week. I am so glad they didn't come home early. I didn't have wild parties, but I left dishes everywhere. My dirty towels were all over the floor. Nothing that would have been allowed when my mom was home was taken. I was living like a bachelor. But the day before, Emma, it was cleanup time. Laundry was being done. Dishes were being washed. Trash was being taken out. Because I knew they were coming back. Jesus is coming back. But he's not going to let us cheat. He's not telling us when. In fact, he says, nobody knows that except the Father. And because he's coming back and we don't know when, (laughs) you better be ready. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. So be ready. Richard, can can he trust us? Can he trust us? Well, what's he entrusted to us? Two tasks that we're going to talk about this morning. He's entrusted to us two tasks. Two very specific tasks that are, that are very important for you and I. And, and I don't know about you, but Miss Paula, I can count to two. I actually read something one time. It said that most people, the, like 90 plus percent of people, can only picture three objects at a time. Have you ever noticed when you count, you count by twos or threes? Like You ever counted coins and you pick them up, you count, you grab two or three? How many of you try and pick up five at a time? No. Because you're like, no, that, that just doesn't add up in my mind. And so if, if my simple brain can handle up to three things at one time, God only gave me two, specifically, in these passages that I think are very, very important for us to think about today. Two very important things. Number one, be prepared personally. Miss Terry, Jesus is coming back. Brother Leon, we've got, we've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. I've got to be ready. Brother Verlin, Brother Roger can't be ready for you. And Richard, I can't be ready for you. Lynn, you, you can't be ready for Corey. But all of us have that responsibility to be ready for the moment. 
The three parables that, that are here in this passage, the first one that Jesus talks about it in the first few verses, or in the last few verses, rather, of Matthew 24, are the parable of the slave that was put in charge of the household, and the master's going to come back. And when the master comes back, he expects things to be ready. And, and so he goes on, and he does his thing. And, and then the, 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 instead of being faithful and being sensible and doing what's right, he, he goes and he, he beats on the people that he's been left in charge of, and he, he treats them poorly, and he does all the wrong things. And in verse 48, it says, My master is not coming for a long time. And so he begins to just kind of live his life according to his own rules. Big problem, guys. You and I don't get to set the rules. There's a higher authority. There's a, there's a commanding officer, Brother Willie. There, there's a, a command structure. And ultimately, there is a commander-in-chief. And even that person must answer to God. And so the slave is given the responsibility, and, and he's unfaithful in, in that. And the master comes home on a day when he doesn't know it. It says in verse 50, and when he finds that things have happened the way that they are, in verse 51 it says, listen, he will cut him in pieces. And assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is that motivation enough to be ready? The fact that God is coming, that Christ is coming back, and that we all have a responsibility to be ready is undeniable in Scripture. And I, I want to tell you, beyond the, nat- the, the natural inclination to read that verse and think, oh, how could God do that? Let me tell you, it would be merciful to you if God just annihilated you. It would be merciful to you if in the moment that you died in this life without Christ, God just completely wiped it off. But I want to tell you, as great as that might sound to someone who wants to believe that, that is not the case. That a person who dies without a relationship with Jesus Christ spends an eternity, an eternity separated from God in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of the teeth. A place that no one wants to be. People joke and say, and I've seen it on Facebook by even some of the people that I know, that I can't wait to get to hell so I can be with all my friends. No! No! A million times no. Be ready, because when Christ comes back, the decision will have been made, and you do not want to face Him having rejected Him. Verse 42, it says, Be on the alert, for you do not know on which day your Lord is coming. Two verses later, verse 44, For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think that He will. Six verses further down in verse 50, the master of the slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and on an hour which he does not know. Chapter 25, verse 13, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. Jesus wants us to understand that there's going to come a time when he's going to come back and when he comes back, he expects us to be ready for his return and it's an individual readiness. It's up to you and to I to be ready for that moment. And so what can you do in your life to make yourself okay with God? Nothing. 
In fact, the Bible says that the best that you can do is filthy rags to him. Your best righteousness is a disgusting thing. And if you want to know the, the truth about how bad that is, talk to Pastor Corey or one of the kid, teenagers after church. I, I can't even say it in a sermon how gross it is this morning. God, God thinks about your best efforts compared to what God demands of us is absolute filth before him. So your only hope, your only hope, and every man and woman's only hope is in Christ. And in accepting what he says he's going to do for you. He's telling them, guys, this is coming, and so I'm going to the cross to pay the the sin's penalty, to pay the debt that you owe. I'm going to give my life for you so that you can can have hope and have eternal life, so that you can have a a place and a future with me in glory. I'm going to do this for you, but it only makes a difference for you if you will receive it for yourself. So be ready. I was having a discussion with someone one time, and they said, people have been saying Jesus is coming back for 2,000 years, and it hadn't happened yet. Well, it's 2,000 years closer than it was the first time. When he comes back, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Not do you know what it means to go to church. Not do you understand all the Bible. Not do you have some some special relationship with people at the church. No. Do you know what it means to be forgiven and cleansed within? Do you know what it means to have surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ? Have you experienced that? If you have not, be ready. He's coming. He's coming. Be ready. Be ready personally. Paul said about the Roman, uh, about the Jewish people in the book of Romans, I would give up my own salvation if I could, that my countrymen would know him. But Paul couldn't. And as much as I might want to say to you, I would give up anything that all of the world would know Christ. It's their decision. It's their choice. It's your choice. Are you ready? Can I trust you? second responsibility that he's entrusted to us is this to be faithful to his instructions I left my water down here this one's yours Taylor in the three parables in this passage the first one deals with the master and the slave The second one deals with the parable of the ten virgins that have been invited to the wedding feast and they're supposed to be ready and five of them have oil, the other five do not. And the five that don't, we're going to get to their oil from the five that do and the five that do say, wait a minute now, if I give you what I've got then maybe there won't be enough left for me so you need to go get your own oil. 
like you should have done to begin with. That would have been the smart thing to do. You should have been ready. And so they did what they were asked of, of what was asked of them. The other five did not. And then the third parable is the parable of the talents, where the master has given to the slaves some talents, and each one of them is expected to do something with those, and some make wise choices, and some make unwise choices. But in each case, they were given instructions to follow. And the question is, were they faithful in following the instructions that they've been given? And so Jesus is coming back. His return is imminent but unpredictable, and he's entrusted us with two tasks. Number one, to be ready ourselves, but number two, to be faithful to his instructions. So what are his instructions? What is it that he's asked of us? Well, here in these three parables, we get three of the clues to things that God asks of you and I if we're going to be faithful to his instructions. The first one is to care for his master's household. If you are ready for the return of Jesus Christ personally, if you have a relationship with him, that is your own. It's not somebody else's caress. It's not a relationship that came because your dad is a pastor. It's because you've made the choice on your own to become a a follower of Jesus Christ. Once you've done that and you're ready personally, now you have a biblical responsibility to care for his master's household. It says in those, that parable Jesus is talking about at the end of chapter 24, he gave the slave direct instructions, care for his household. After the crucifixion, after the burial, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to Peter, who's, they're all out fishing. And as they're out fishing, Jesus is talking to Peter back on the shore, and he, and he says, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. And he says, what does he tell me? He says, feed my sheep. Take care of my, of my household. If you read through the scripture over and over, we're given in the New Testament the opportunity and the privilege and the responsibility to care for one another, to love one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to walk with one another, to challenge one another, to teach one another, to disciple one another, to correct one another, to reprove one another. It's part of being faithful to what God called us to do. It's caring for one another. and That happens within the context of the local church. You don't go to church so you can get something out of it. If you came this morning for what you're going to get out of it, you probably already got it. We gather together because you and I have a responsibility to love and to encourage and to uplift one another. You don't pay me to preach. In fact, you couldn't pay me not to preach. Now, you may decide that I can't preach here, But I preach because I can't help but. It's what I do because I love the Lord and I love His messages. And my wife is so very grateful that I have a place to preach besides home. So are my kids. It's been two weeks. Somebody said, Brother Ron Schwartz, who's not here this morning. Brother Ron Schwartz said last week, I don't see the twitch yet. I said, it's coming. The reason why I'm here, the reason why I do this is not so that I get a paycheck. I do this because I believe God's word is true. And I believe that it is my calling and my responsibility to tell you the facts of his word and how you should live your life in accordance with his word so that you will be ready. And it is your responsibility to do that with one another. To be accountable to one another within the church. To love one another within the church. To walk with one another within the church. This is a body of believers. All one. All working together for the cause of the gospel. 
We have a responsibility to care for the master's household. When Jesus is about to leave, one of the parables that he uses here is a parable of someone who was called to care for the the master's household and didn't. I don't think that's a coincidence, guys. Jesus wasn't creatively um, deficient. It wasn't as though he was like, hmm, how can I say this? No. Jesus' instructions were there for a reason. We have that responsibility. He's coming back. Will you be personally ready, and will you be doing what he told you to do? Will you be caring for the master's household? Now, it's really hard to do that when your only attempt to do that is just drive by church or, or sit in church or, or drive through church. Or, or you know, There are some people that all they want is just the minimum that they can get away with. That's not being faithful to his instructions. Secondly, be ready for the bridegroom. To be ready. You know, you can't do anything to earn your salvation. I, I made that abundantly clear a moment ago. The best that you can do is absolute filth before God. But once you become a child of God, the responsibility upon your life is to do everything that you can within your power under the conviction and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do everything that you can in your power to be ready for that moment and looking forward to it. The parable of the ten virgins is as much about the five that were ready as about the five that weren't. And oftentimes, we focus on the five that weren't ready and how foolish they were and how dumb they were. But I want you to think about the five that were ready and how they showed up with everything in place. They were ready for what God had for them. They were expecting the bridegroom to come. They had done everything they could do. They had prepared fully. Their their lamp was full. And they were ready. Guys, are you ready for that moment? Are you ready for that moment of, of excitement, of, of, of just absolute mind-boggling wonder? Do you walk every day as though you're ready? And I don't just mean from a salvation standpoint. I mean from the rest of the time. Th- these people were already invited. These people were already in the bridal party. They were already expected to be there. The question was, what were they doing leading up to that moment? What are you doing leading up to that moment? When he comes, what will you be doing? Where will you be? I was told as a teenager, wherever you go, you bring Jesus with you. You remember that? When you go on a date, Jesus is not sitting in the back seat. He's sitting in your seat. So whatever it is you do, you're doing with Jesus. Well, that sure makes some of those moments rather awkward, doesn't it? Be ready. Be ready. When you come to church, are you ready? When you walk in these doors, are you ready for what God wants of you? Or are you just checking off the next item on your list? Did you come in this morning and say, Oh, God, please, I need to know that you're real today. I need you. And my heart is ready for whatever it is you ask of me. God, if you want me to teach third grade... No, nobody prayed that, except Adrian. God, if you want me to do whatever it is you want me to do, I will do it. I'm ready, Father. I'm ready. Third parable is the parable of the talents. Jesus gives us three slaves, 
some of what he has, some of the gifts that are his, some of his possessions. And he expects of them that they will preserve and grow his possessions, that they will make sure that nothing bad happens to them. But as you read on, not only that nothing bad happens, because you get to the third servant who was unfaithful, and all he did was bury the talent so nothing happened to it, and he could give it right back to God, he didn't, or to his master. He didn't do anything with it to make it mean something, to make it make an impact. He just held on to it. Some people live their spiritual lives just hanging on to whatever it is God gives them. They're not doing anything with it. God expects you to preserve it and to grow his possessions. Because there will be an accounting. Miss Robin, the time is going to come when God's going to balance the books. Just a few months ago, Miss Robin was telling me about a challenge she had at work where something didn't get balanced right, and she went like a month or more chasing down trying to figure out what was wrong. And if it had been a couple of dollars, it would have been one thing, but it was a lot of money. She's searching and she's digging, and she. But I'll tell you, when God comes back, He's already going to know the answer. He's not going to have to go digging through your background because, listen, He already knows. And you will know. In all three of the parables, the same thing happens. At the end of the story, the master arrives. The bridegroom arrives. The master arrives. The one who is ultimately to be honored shows up. And each one were called to give an account for their actions. Miss Ann, you're going to give an account one day. The Bible says even for every idle word we've spoken, everything is going to be laid bare. And as a believer, the account won't be whether or not you go to heaven or not. That's been decided by what you do with Christ. But when you stand before God on that last day, And all of those things that you've done flood your memory. And those times that you came to church so people could see you. Those times that you gave an offering because you knew somebody was watching. Those times that you only prayed because it was expected of you. Those times that you bowed your head in the restaurant because somebody there knew you were already a believer and you didn't want to look like you were a hypocrite. Those times when you decided there was something more important than doing what God asked of you. As those things come flooding back and you stand before God. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Matthew twenty five thirty one. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right hand, and the goats on His left.
can I trust you? Pastor Corey, God may call me home today. And if I go home today, can I trust you? Can I trust you to take his word to everyone he tells you to? Can he trust you to do what he said to do? Only you can answer that question. But every one of you are going to answer that question today. Can he trust you? Father God, I want to be worthy of your trust. And I know my only worthiness comes through Christ who lives within me. God, I want so much to crucify this flesh. I want so much to put aside all those things that keep me from being the man I should be. God, I want so much to be someone that you can count on to do what you've asked of me. Forgive me where I fail. And call us all, Father, to walk with you. Lord, this morning in this room, there are people that you're asking can I trust you Father maybe there's some that aren't ready or would you give them the strength this morning to say I want to be ready for Christ's return I need Christ in my life for those believers Lord Show them what you want from them right now. And give them the faith to surrender. Take this time of invitation. Take this time where we respond to what you've said to us. And make it a real time of celebration in your eyes. In Jesus' name.